Part two, chapter seventeen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter seventeen. Ursus was drawing up a double vessel of water from the well, singing the while in an undertone a wondrous Lygian song, and casting glad looks at Lygia and Vinitius, who, white as two statues, stood among the cypresses in Linus's garden. Not a breeze stirred their garments. Twilight, lilac and golden, was falling upon the world, as with clasped hands they conversed in the evening calm may not some harm befall thee asked lygia for that thou didst leave antium without caesar's knowledge no my beloved caesar gave out that he would lock himself up for two days with terpnos to compose new songs he often does this and then knows not nor remembers aught else besides what should i care for caesar while i am beside thee while i gaze upon thee my longings grew greater than i could bear for nights sleep has fled from me more than once when weariness overcame me i was awakened by a sudden feeling that danger was hanging over thee at times i dreamed that my relays of horses had been stolen those horses which were to bear me from antium to rome and which had already borne me from rome to antium with greater speed than any of caesar's couriers i could bear it no longer without thee o oh, beloved i love thee too much for that i knew that thou wouldst come twice at my asking did ursus run to the carinae to inquire for thee at thy house linus laughed at me and so did ursus it was evident enough that she had expected him in lieu of her usual dark robe she wore a soft white gown from whose graceful folds her head and shoulders blossomed out like primroses in spring a few rose-colored anemones adorned her hair vinitius pressed his lips to her hand then they took their seats on a stone bench among the wild vines and leaning shoulder to shoulder gazed silently at the setting sun whose last beams were reflected in their eyes the charm of peace of the evening stole softly over them how calm it is here exclaimed vinitius in a low tone how beautiful the world is the night is cloudless i have never felt happier in my life tell me lygia the reason of this never did i conceive that love could be such as this i deemed it a mere fire in the blood a passion i now see that we can love with every drop of blood and every breath yet feel a sweet and boundless calm as though sleep and death had put the soul to rest tis a new experience for me i gaze upon the outer calm of the trees and it seems to be within me now for the first time i understand there may be a happiness of which men hitherto have not conceived now for the first time i understand why thou and pomponia grycina enjoy such peace yea christ giveth that peace lygia leaning her beautiful head on his arm replied my dear marcus she could not continue joy gratitude and the feeling that love was now lawful to her took away her voice and filled her eyes with tears Vinitius, slipping his arm around her slender form, drew her towards him. "'Blessed be the moment,' he cried, when I first heard his name. "'I love thee, Marcus,' was her low-voiced reply. Both were silent now. Their overcharged breasts forbade further utterance. The last lilac reflection had faded away from the cypresses. The crescent moon was now silvering the garden. 
Vinicius was the first to speak. I know. Scarce had I entered here, scarce had I kissed thy beloved hands, ere I read in thine eyes the questions. Had I arrived at a full understanding of that divine creed which thou professest? Am I baptized? No, not yet am I baptized. Know thou why, my flower? Paul said to me, I have convinced thee that God hath come into the world and given himself to be crucified for the salvation of the world. But let Peter cleanse thee in the stream of grace, Peter who first stretched his hands over thee and blessed thee. I wish thee, my beloved, to be present at my baptism, and that Pomponia stand as my sponsor. That is why I have not yet been baptized, though I believe in the Saviour and his sweet teaching. Paul has convinced and converted me. How could it be otherwise? How could I fail to believe that Christ came into the world when Peter says so, who was his disciple, and Paul, to whom he manifested himself? How can I fail to believe him God, who rose from the dead? He was seen in the city, on the lake, on the mountain. He was seen by men whose lips knew not how to form a lie. I believed all this from the first time I heard Peter in the Ostronium. Even then I said to myself, I could believe any man on earth to be a liar before this one who says I have seen. But I dreaded your creed. I feared it would separate thee from me. I thought that there was in it neither wisdom, nor beauty, nor happiness. But today I understand it. What sort of man should I be if I did not desire for the world truth, not lies, love, not hate, good not evil loyalty not disloyalty charity not vengeance what sort of man would he be who would not prefer and wish the same thy religion teaches all these things other creeds also aim at justice but thine is the only creed which makes just the heart of man and moreover makes it pure like thine and pomponia's and loyal like thine and pomponia's blind should i be if i could not see this and if, in addition, Christ God hath promised eternal life and happiness so boundless as only the almightiness of God could bestow, what more could man wish? Were I to ask Seneca, wherefore should he recommend virtue, if wickedness brought me more happiness? He could return no logical answer. But now I see that I should be virtuous, because virtue and love flow from Christ, and because when death closes my eyes I shall find new life and new happiness, find myself and thee, O my beloved. Why not accept a creed which teaches truth and annihilates death? Who would not prefer good to evil? I had thought this creed opposed to happiness, but Paul hath convinced me that it takes away nothing and adds all hardly yet does all this find room in my brain but i know it to be true for i should never have been thus happy had i taken thee by force and possessed thee in my home lo but a moment since thou didst say i love thee and i could not have extorted these words from thee with all the powers of rome o oh, lygia reason declares this creed to be divine to be the best the heart feels it who can withstand two such forces lygia listened her blue eyes fixed on his face seemed mystic flowers in the moonlight and bedewed like flowers true marcus she said nestling her head closer to his arm both felt supremely happy they understood that not only love but another power united them sweet at once and irresistible through which love itself became unassailable by change deceit treason or death itself 
their hearts overflowed with the certainty that come what might they would not cease to love and to belong to each other hence an unspeakable calm possessed them vinitius felt that not only was their love pure and deep but of a sort that the world did not yet know and could not give this love gathered all things into his heart lygia christ's teachings the moonlight softly sleeping on the cypresses and the calm of the night so that all space seemed to be filled with it alone then in a low and trembling voice he began thou wilt be the soul of my soul the dearest for me in all the world our hearts will throb together one in prayer and one in gratitude to christ o oh, my beloved together to live together to honor god to know that when death comes our eyes will again open as after refreshing sleep to a new light what greater happiness could be conceived my sole marvel is that i had not comprehended this sooner knowest thou what i now think that nothing can resist this creed in two or three hundred years the whole world will accept it men will forget jupiter there will be no god save christ no temples save the christian who would not desire his own happiness ah i have heard paul's conversation with petronius knowest thou what petronius said at the close tis not for me that was all he could say repeat the words of paul said lygia twas at my house petronius one evening had been speaking lightly and jestingly as is his wont paul said to him how canst thou o wise petronius deny that christ existed and that he rose from the dead when thou wert not then in the world but peter and john saw him i myself saw him on the road to damascus if thy wisdom could show that we are liars then thou mightest well deny our testimony petronius replied that he had no intention of denying for he well knew that many incredible things had happened and were confirmed by unimpeachable witnesses but said he tis one thing to discover a new foreign god and another to accept his creed i wish for nothing that may spoil my life and destroy its beauty be our gods true or false they are beautiful we rejoice in them and can live without care paul's reply was thou wouldst reject the teaching of love justice and mercy for fear of the cares of life but bethink thee petronius is thy life truly free from cares behold neither thou nor any amongst the mightiest knows when he falls asleep at night whether he may not be awakened by a death sentence now if caesar professed this creed of charity and justice would not thy happiness be more secure thou fearest lest thy pleasure be lost to thee but would not life itself be pleasanter in such case as to the beauty and the adornment of life if we have raised temples and statues of such surpassing loveliness to evil vengeful adulterous and false divinities what might ye not do in honour of one god of love and truth thou flatterest thyself that thy lot is a happy one because thou art mighty and livest in luxury but thou might easily have been poor and destitute however high-born and then indeed it would be better for thee in this world if men professed christ in your city even parents of high station unwilling to assume the care of raising children cast them out into the streets these children are called alumni thou master might have been such an alumnus but if thy parents lived in conformity with our creed that could not happen 
if after reaching man's estate thou hadst married a woman whom thou lovest thou wouldst prefer that she should remain faithful to thee unto death and now behold what is going on among you behold what debasement what shamelessness what abuse of marital faith nay you marvel among yourselves when you hear of a woman whom you call a univira or a woman of a single husband but i say unto thee that wives who carry christ in their hearts will not break faith with their husbands and that christian husbands will keep faith with their wives but ye are not sure of your rulers your fathers your wives your children your servants the whole world trembles before ye and ye tremble before your own slaves for ye know that any hour may call forth a terrible war against your oppression such a war as has already arisen more than once thou art rich but thou knowest not that to-morrow thou mayest not be ordered to surrender thy riches thou art young but thou knowest not whether to-morrow will not be thy death-day thou lovest but treason lies in wait for thee thou art fond of villas and statues but to-morrow thou mayest be banished to the desert places of the pandataria thou hast thousands of servants but to-morrow thy servants may spill thy blood if all this be true how canst thou be calm and happy how canst thou find pleasure in life but i proclaim love i proclaim a creed which commands rulers to love their subjects and masters their slaves commands slaves to serve from love proclaims justice and charity and promises at the end unlimited and eternal happiness therefore o petronius how canst thou say that this creed ruins life since it supplies its shortcomings and since thou thyself wouldst be a hundredfold happier and safer if it were to win the world as your roman rule has won it such were paul's words then it was petronius said tis not for me feigning weariness he rose to go and as he did so he continued i prefer my eunice to all thy creed o judean but i would not care to be matched against thee on the platform as for me i had listened with all my soul and when paul spoke of our women i honored with all my heart that creed whence thou didst spring as lilies sprung from a rich soil in april and i thought to myself lo there is poppaea who left two husbands for nero there are calvia crispinilla and nigidia and almost all the women i know save only pomponia all have made traffic at their faith and their vows but she whom i love she will not desert me nor deceive me nor quench the fire at my hearthstone though all others in whom i placed my trust might desert and deceive me hence i spoke to thee in my soul how can i recompense thee save by love and honor didst thou feel that at antium i talked incessantly to thee as if thou wert by my side a hundredfold have i loved thee for that thou didst flee from me in caesar's palace and i no longer desire caesar's palace nor its luxury nor its music but thee only speak but the word and we will leave rome to take up our residence afar off without moving her head lygia thoughtfully raised her eyes to the silvered tops of the cypresses and answered tis well marcus thou hast written to me of sicily the auli wish to settle there for their old age vinitius joyfully interrupted her true my beloved our lands adjoin tis a marvellous coast the climate is delightful and the nights are still brighter than in rome fragrant and clear there life and happiness are synonyms he paused to dream of the future 
there we may forget all our troubles in the groves among the olive orchards we will walk and rest in the shade oh lygia what a life that will be loving each other gazing together upon the sea and the sky honoring together a god of love doing peacefully what is just and right both paused their thoughts intent upon the future he drew her closer to him the nightly ring on his finger sparkling in the moonlight in the quarter inhabited by the laboring classes every one was asleep not a sound disturbed the silence wilt thou allow me to see pomponia asked lygia yes my beloved we will invite them to our home or visit them ourselves and if thou wilt we can take in the apostle peter he is bowed down by age and work paul also will visit us he will convert aulus plautius and just as soldiers found colonies in far-off countries so we will found a settlement of christians lygia took his hand in hers and would have raised it to her lips but he whispered as though fearful that too loud a tone might frighten happiness away no lygia no it is i who honor and adore thee give me thy hands i love thee he pressed his lips to her hands white as jessamine for a moment the beating of their own hearts was the only sound they heard there was not the least stir in the air the cypresses were immovable as if they too held their breath in suspense an unexpected sound as of thunder coming apparently from the ground broke in upon the silence a shiver ran through the girl's body vinitius rose saying tis the roaring of lions in the menagerie both listened intently the first roar was answered by a second a third a tenth from all the various quarters of the city there were often several thousand lions in rome quartered in different arenas frequently at night-time they approached the gratings and leaning there on their huge heads proclaimed their longing for liberty and the desert so it happened now one answered the other in the stillness of the night the whole city was filled with their roaring so strangely menacing and lugubrious was the sound that lygia whose bright and peaceful dreams of the future were frightened away listened with a heart compressed by some strange fear and melancholy vinitius slipped his arm around her fear not beloved he said the games are at hand hence all the menageries are filled they both entered the house of linus accompanied by the roars of the lions growing more and more thunderous end of part two chapter seventeen